The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all declining. And uh, this update is brought to you by Bentley University. What do developing apps at Facebook and analyzing data at Biogen have in common? An MBA from Bentley University where you will explore innovation and leadership because business is everywhere. Prepare here. Stocks are lower. The S&P 500 index down 16 to 2,080, a drop of 8 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ down 44 points, a drop of 9 tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials down 120, a drop of 7 tenths of 1%. Gold up $11 the ounce to 12.86, a gain of 9 tenths of 1%. And crude oil below $49 a barrel now, 48.68 down 40 cents, a drop of 8 tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pillow, thanks so much. Time now for the ETF report brought to you by Vanek Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Target tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit vanek.com slash muni. Vanek, access the opportunities. For a report on ETFs, our own Catherine Cowdery. Peru may be out. Pakistan may be in, and China's allocation could more than double. Investors are awaiting MSCI's annual review and potential changes to its benchmark indexes. Bloomberg intelligence analyst Eric Balchuna says Pakistan was downgraded to frontier market status in 2008, and there's speculation it could be raised to emerging status again. He adds there is positive momentum in Pakistan. It's got a um, infrastructure project with China that's moving forward. It's got a population where half the people are under 25. It's larger than Russia, population-wise. But it's frontier. It's got a lot of issues as well. But it's up 9% this year. There's an ETF focused on the country, the Global X MSCI Pakistan ETF, ticker PAK. Balchunas on the impact of a possible MSCI move. Even if Pakistan makes it into the MSCI emerging markets, it would be 0.15% weighting. I mean, almost invisible. If you add it up, that's about $2.4 billion worth of buy orders for Pakistan stocks. PAK has about $6.5 million in total assets. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Shares of Apple are down about 1.5% today as the company begins its annual developers conference in San Francisco. One of the announcements is that uh, Apple will uh, connect Siri, the uh, voice-activated application, with other apps, and also it will be made to work on Mac computers. The company also ditching its OS X brand for Mac OS, and the Apple Watch will get a faster operating system. Find out more. Let's bring in John Petridis. He is Managing Director, Portfolio Manager, Point View Wealth Management, based in Summit, New Jersey. John, thank you for being with us. Uh, 
Thanks for having me on. So are any of these announcements today from Apple enough to make you bullish on the stock, or are you still a bear? Still bearish on the stock. However, I do like that they're emphasizing the Apple TV. Um, I think that is where Apple needs to be concentrating all of its efforts. And um, now that you could download apps through the Apple TV, uh, you know, the goal would be for you and I to ultimately build our own a la carte cable model through Apple TV and, and pay for the apps for each individual show rather than paying a Comcast or a Fios or someone like that, you know, $200 a month. You know, let's pay it through Apple TV just for the shows that we want as opposed to watching 20 out of 500 different shows. So how important is this? Is this like, oh, it's another cool step, you know, just add on a little bit? Or is this something that is potentially the, you know, the big move that Apple needs? No, we're not there yet. Um, that's why I said this is, in a, this is going in the right direction, but you're far from where Apple needs to be. You know, at, there were rumors a few weeks ago that Apple was thinking about buying Time Warner and taking over HBO and taking on some other content. That's what Apple needs to do. They need to get away from being a pure hardware company and relying on iPhone sales and iPhone upgrades every two years uh, to be uh, the driver of the company. They need to get it, their business model to where you and I are paying Apple $100 a month for services. Um, and if they don't hurry up on the content side, the media content side, which is where I think they need to be, they're going to fall far behind because Google has YouTube, Facebook has Facebook video, uh, Amazon is building out its own content, Netflix has its own content. I mean, the world is changing, and Apple and Tim Cook's vision right now is still focused on getting an iPhone in everyone's hand when they should be working on uh, the media. Tell us about Alexa from Amazon and how Apple needs to compete in that arena. Well, they are. So Alexa is a, a cute little toy that you could have in your house that you could be voice activated. And Apple is, uh, there have been rumors that Apple is going to come out with their own version of an Alexa. Um, however, I don't know about you if you have an iPhone, but Siri has been a letdown experience for me personally. So, I, you know, I find myself yelling at the device more than else, and it, and it still can't understand what I'm saying. So the fact that they're focusing on Siri um, to, onto other devices, I think they need to work on Siri's application itself. And, uh, you know, that will be the benefit if, if, if they can compete versus an Alexa. How would you compare Siri to the voice activated function on, say, the, the Samsung Note? Mm. You, you know, I, I haven't played with the Note well enough to compare one versus the other. All I know is that for me, you know, Siri, we're now going on to iPhone 7 that will be introduced in September. You know, Siri came out on the 4S, which was, what, four years ago? And I still think that application is, is subpar at best. Now, John, I want to turn your attention away from technology when it comes to mobile phones and computers and turn your attention to energy and high-yield bonds. Mm. What do you recommend individuals do, and are there bonds or even stocks that are in the energy industry that you think are compelling buys? Right. So I would have continued to avoid the energy high-yield bond space for now. Go back to January and February when the world seemingly was falling apart and yields blew out on the high-yield bond space, particularly for energy companies, when the price of oil is now was at 25 bucks, you know, a barrel. Now we're at $48, $50 a barrel. We've nearly doubled. And, you know, what I think energy companies should be doing today is actually issuing stock 
You know, there were companies, the energy companies that were issuing stock back in January, February, and early March, really in the, in, in, in the, in the eye of the storm. Well, now with the price of oil doubling, and in certain cases, energy stocks up, you know, 100, 150% since then, now is the time companies should be issuing stock and focusing on their balance sheets because there is no, uh, you know, the supply-demand situation is, although improving because drilling has really fallen off a cliff in the U.S., you know, these companies need to start pumping out oil, and now is the time when they should be shoring up their their balance sheets. So I think now is the time energy companies should be issuing stock to, to focus and, and freeing up liquidity. So basically then you're saying you would buy some energy stocks. What about master, master limited partnerships? Yeah, I, I think that's where you're finding uh, the area of the energy space that should be issuing the most um, in terms of stock because uh, MLPs are usually the oil and gas pipelines, right? They transport oil from point A to point B, and building out, maintaining those pipelines is very, very expensive to do, and you need access to the credit markets. And right now, the credit markets are issuing bonds at very high interest rates because they're very concerned about the price of the commodity. So in order to um, – uh, and, and MLPs pay out um, a big portion of their cash flow in the form of a dividend. So I think investors would actually feel comforted if MLP companies on the back of this stock rally issued shares, freed up liquidity, that would that would um, uh, uh, secure the dividend because many income-oriented investors, those that are in retirement, are focusing on MLPs because they need that source of income. And that would actually help the space a lot. I mean, how often do you have someone on talking about companies that should be issuing stock? It's usually the opposite, right? Usually you reward companies who buy back their shares. But here in the energy space, now is the time where companies should be doing the opposite. John, is now the time to invest in a company such as Chevron, paying a dividend of a little bit more than 4%? Yeah, well, we believe in diversification, and despite the rally in, in oil, you never know where the commodity is going to be. So a Chevron, an ExxonMobil, uh, a, a British Petroleum, you know, those big cap super majors that are integrated, that have the upstream, that have the midstream and the downstream on the energy are the right places that investors should be in because you can weather the downturn um, if the price of oil was to go down and you have a diverse business model uh, and you'll benefit on the upside. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's you sh- investors should be diversified across the different sectors and we would recommend that you hide in the super majors. Final comment, John. Final question. Could you uh, weigh in on Microsoft acquiring LinkedIn. Sure. I think that this was a very interesting acquisition on Microsoft's side, uh, but I think it was very defensive in nature. And what I mean by that is Microsoft paid a 49% premium for LinkedIn, nearly eight or over eight times sales. And if you're a shareholder of Microsoft, which which our clients do own, you know it's not accretive or it'll be dilutive uh, until 2019, and that's on a non-GAAP basis. So what does that mean? That means you will not see a hit to the bottom line to the positive side for Microsoft shareholders until 2019, and that excludes option dilution. And you know that there's massive option dilution within for LinkedIn shareholders. So, and, and the reason why I think this is defensive is, you know, Microsoft describes themselves as a platform and productivity company, and I think this acquisition they buy it ahead of someone like a Facebook or Apple um, or, or some other okay. large or a Google. John Petridis, thank you so much for joining us, Managing Director, Portfolio Manager, Point View Wealth Management. The Microsoft LinkedIn deal, defensive on Microsoft's part, still bearish on Apple. This is Taking Stock, Bloomberg Radio. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, 
A thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.